Uh, let, let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you, Lord, for uh, everything that you are to us uh, personally, to the world. Uh, Lord, when we consider the, the, the reality, Lord, that you are the creator of everything, you caused everything to come into being. It's just an amazing thing that you were mindful of us, Lord, that you chose to reveal yourself to us, and even in us, that we might experience who you are. And not just an experience, but just to be uh, truly made at one with you. And that, that, that was your ultimate purpose for us in, in your creation. And uh, Lord, we just can't be more thankful for the fact that you came to us, uh, Lord, as a little child in a manger. And one day you'll return to us to reign over all creation, and we will reign with you. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, i got to tell you, we got something interesting to talk about today. And uh, I'm going to say this, that if you only learn one thing today, if you learn this one thing, it will be invaluable for your life because it'll help you to kind of understand yourself more and understand other people. And not only will you have understanding, but you'll actually be given a little bit of a hint on how we function and how we can function in the fashion that we were designed to function from. And this is that one thing. And I, it, it comes to us in the form of a question, and I'm going to ask you what, you what your feelings are in regard to this question. And this is it. What exactly is the human heart? Now, I can tell you what the heart is not. The heart doesn't have anything to do with your physical makeup. In other words, you have a brain that we've been given that is capable of thinking and reasoning and controlling our body. And we have a heart that actually pumps life, blood, throughout our, our bodily system and provide, you know, causes us to be able to function as a biological human being. Right. But none of those things, even though your, 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 your brain can cause you to think and reason, it can't cause you to think and reason about anything. It just has the capacity of doing those things. So if it's not anything in our physical makeup, what exactly is a heart? How would y'all define that? Anybody have a thought on that? Go ahead. It's the center of the belief systems that animate your life. Ooh, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> now, I was going to say I've been studying, so. <laughs> that's very good. But I, I was going to say it differently and probably more base or more simple, okay? Your heart is the essence of who you actually are inside. Mm -hmm. It is actually the essence of who you are. And... Jay is correct, and we're going to look at this because something causes this person who is a functioning human being to function. Either we're functioning 
in one way or we're functioning in another way. And that's the second thing that we're going to look at. Now, listen, understanding that we have a human heart and that that human heart is the essence of who we are and that it is driven by a belief system <clears throat> is critical to our, our, our understanding ourselves right. and understanding the people in the world. Man, that's, a, that's kind of a cool thing. It's a wellspring of life. It is a wellspring of life because, because in the world that we live, we're, we're kind of carnally minded and we really believe, we believe that we are just a matter of a biological function. But there's more to the human being, just as there is more to God than meets the eye. And it is evident in that we are different than all of the other creatures in the world. Mm. We are clearly different. It is the human heart that designates and separates us from all of the other created beings in this world. Now, I have a question to ask you. Can we trust the human heart? Not always. <laughs> Not always. That's kind of true. But listen to this. There's, there's a scripture from Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, and it says this. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, I'm going to tell you, that is not a good... Uh, <laughs> when you look at that definition, you think, my God, man, how can I trust what something inside of me is telling me if that heart is, how does he say it? Desperately wicked, deceitful above all things, who can know it? How can you trust that human heart? Now, consider this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. So, if Jeremiah tells us the heart is deceitful and wicked, who can know it? But Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. Can the human heart be pure? Can there be a purity found in the human heart? Well, listen to this one. This is from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw, draw near to God with a pure heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, can you imagine that? The writer of Hebrews saying, let us draw near to God with a pure heart. So can the heart be pure? If it is deceptive and wicked above all things, who can know it? Think about it. One more verse. From Ezekiel chapter 11, it says, I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take out your stony heart and give them out of stony hearts out of their flesh and give them hearts of flesh that they may walk in my statutes, keep my ordinances and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. So God said he's capable of changing the heart. So we're coming to grips with some things here that there is a heart that is found in the world that is deceptive to us. It communicates to us something 
that is uh, harmful to both us and everybody around us. It's deceitfully wicked and, and deceptive. Who can know that? Who can understand that? Well, we're going to kind of come to grips with that today. We're going to look at that today. And, uh, but the reason the Lord came to manifest himself in the world was that we might be given a new heart. Now, so you have someone who has come to believe who is this new heart, and you have people who maybe do not know the Lord, and they're driven by some other motivation. But even the believer, after you come to know the Lord, the, the thinking that once existed in you prior to coming to know the Lord is not completely aloof from you. You still have the same thinking, the same mind, the same reasoning, but because you have this new heart, something is supposed to come to fruition inside of that heart that causes you to begin to reason about life differently. You hear where I'm coming mm -hmm. from with that? And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Okay. Now, when you look at God and how he is made up, how, how the makeup of God, you can only look at what the scriptures say about God. And I'm going to tell you, all of the things that we're looking at right here, are a description of God. He is life. He is truth. He is, let's spell that word rightly. <laughs> he is goodness. He's Godness too. Yeah, he's Godness too. I think it might be the same thing. I'm not sure. Uh, there, he, in him is joy and light and compassion and perfection, patience, righteousness, hope, faith, all of these things are found in God. Now, I have a question to ask you in this regard. Is there anything negative to be found in God? Whatsoever. That's the whole idea of per perfection, okay? He's perfect. And there is nothing negative or harmful in this God who is, who exists. Now I've got to say, it's, it's important for us to come to grips with this too, that there is a reason why God is like that. And anybody got a thought in, to, to, in regard to why he is like that? Okay. There is. I'm sorry? He's at rest. He, he, there is something in God's heart towards us that is perfection. It is goodness. It is truth. Everything that God is in God that is good exists there because God has a heart, just like I described the fact that we have a heart. So everything in God is good. Now, at some point in human history, the Lord came into this earth and his purpose in coming to the earth 
was one thing. That somehow or another, what is in the heart of God, which is this perfect entity, that was what is in the heart of God might come to us. That we might possess the very heart that God has. That was his purpose for coming. That's why he was manifest into the world. And there's this interesting thing. So in Christ, at the cross, there was an unveiling of the heart of God toward you and I. At the cross, there was this unveiling of the heart of God towards us that we might be able to see what was in his heart. Now, this is where it gets very, very interesting. We look at the cross, what he did, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension to glory. And we realize that he did these things for us, that he gave himself that we might be a possessor of the very spirit that is within him. We look at this thing and we look at the cross and how he died for our sins and was raised from the dead. How does that transfer into the human life? How does it get from point A to point B? I can tell you this. It is not by a commandment. Unless you look at the commandment as being, I command life toward them. But it's not by some kind of things that you do that you might possess the righteousness or the, or the things that we find in the life of God himself. It is something that somehow or another has to come to us. And this is how it works. At the cross, he reveals that heart. We see his heart towards us, his disposition, his love for us. And what happens is our hearts are influenced by that love. And when you realize, come to realization of the reality that God loved us and gave us his eternal life, and we believe on that love, we trust that love, that influence, it influences us unto belief. You see where I'm coming from? It's not a commandment to believe. It's seeing the love that was in Christ. And that love persuades our heart unto belief. No one believes on his own. No one believes according to some kind of commandment. It has to come to us by influence. And listen, that's the same influence that is in the Godhead. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. All one influencing one another unto this life that is found in him. So, let's take a look at uh, a little bit of a comparison between the carnal mind and the, and the mind of the spirit. Now, another way to put this would be 
the mind not controlled by the spirit and the mind controlled by the spirit of love. Now, why would I say the spirit of love? Why would I say the mind controlled by the spirit of love? Why would I say it like that? Anybody have a thought about that? Because God, God is, love. is love. Amen. <laughs> if God is love and that spirit resides within us, that's pretty smart. Uh, if, if God is love and that spirit abides within us, then what would be the motivator of our actions? Love. The spirit of love, right? Cool. Now watch this. The carnal mind. Now I got, I got to tell you, think about the world that we live in that is controlled by the prince of the power of the air that is believing the lie that righteousness is attained through the knowledge of good and evil, the, the belief system that only brings death. And we begin to see something in the world as it views God. And that is this. It, the world sees God as a controller, like he is controlling the events that are taking place in the world. That's the way they see him. And I'm going to guarantee you one thing. If you believe that God is controlling things, you will tend to be a controller yourself. Right. I'm going to tell you, your image or vision of God, we are so designed that what we believe, now, it doesn't even have to relate to God himself, but it most certainly relates to God himself. What we believe is a motivator or a mover of how we view life, how we reason about life and what we do. And the carnal mind sees God as a controller. So we tend to control. So what do we, what do we, what exactly is it that we tend to, uh, to want to control? People, places, and things. Mm -hmm. We think that through our knowledge of good and evil, we know right from wrong, good from evil. And we look at these people over here or this person, whatever it is, and we say, you know, according to my knowledge of good and evil, this person is not acting the way I think they should act. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to control, manipulate, and contrive everything that I can do, everything that can come out of me to make that person perform right. Or I'm going to tell them how they need to control, perform right. And I'm going to tell you something as righteous as that may look to you, it brings death to relationship. That's why the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're not arguing with one another. They all have the spirit of love within them, and they love one another. They get along with one another. They have the same reasoning, the same motivation, the same heart within them, and it is always for the better of the objects of the love. Whoever they look at and love, it's always for their better, never for their worse. So, we see God as a controller. And this heart strives to affect self, yourself, and others through external means, laws, traditions, principles. But you know what? You can't affect things that way. You may think that you can control yourself and others through laws, 
traditions, principles, your knowledge of good and evil, you cannot control them like that. Just can anybody raise a hand and say, it worked for me. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think you can. Now, your mind and intellect may be affected by such means. Your mind and your intellect is, in fact, affected by this kind of thing. But that has no effect on our heart. I was sharing with somebody earlier how uh, when a person begins to see uh, like reasoning behind something, like, uh, well, I'll give you the example. When I was younger, we, there was this young guy came around the neighborhood, okay? And he, uh, he said, uh, mister, I'd like for you to sign this petition. And I said, what's the petition about? He said, well, we're at Shaman High School. We are, uh, they're telling us we have to wear our hair above our collar and over our ears. And I don't want to wear my hair. <laughs> so, so, and neither does anybody else at school, you know, I mean, this is the 1980s, you know, and uh, I'd like to put you to sign this petition saying that we don't think that that's right. Okay. And I said, well, I tell you what, I'll sign that petition, but I'm, will you listen to me before I sign it? Because I think you ought to wear your hair, you know, maybe down below your ear. I, you know, I, I think you should wear your hair longer than that. But I said, will you listen to me before I sign a petition? He said, that's reasonable. I can do that. And I said, you know why they want you to do that? I said, because in this life that we live, in this world, someday your boss is going to say, you're going to come to work at 8 o'clock in the morning. And when you show up for 9, you're going to be in trouble. Maybe actually lose your job. So... What they're trying to do in school by plenty of the rules that they put in place is not just to arbitrarily control your behavior. That's not why they're really doing it. The reason they're doing it is because they're trying to teach you how to function in this world and how you are sometimes in this life going to have to do some things that you really don't want to do. But you have to learn how to do that. And that is a part of the educational system. He looked at me and he said, wow. He said, if, if they would have told me that, I probably wouldn't be walking around here with this petition. I actually understand the reasoning. Listen, the heart wants to be convinced and understand things in order for it to function as it should function. And God has brought understanding to our hearts. Listen to this. So here we are. By the way, the whole world is acting according to the carnal mind, thinking they know right from wrong, good from evil, trying to control people, places, and things, everything around them to create uh, an environment for themselves that they feel comfort, comfort with and will bring them life. The whole world thinks that way. But you know what? The whole world is acting because wholeness, completeness as a human being is not found 
through manipulating the things of life. You're not going to be made whole. You, personally, are not going to be made whole by manipulating people, places, and things according to the knowledge of good and evil. It's only going to bring death to you. That's just reality. That's what the carnal mind does. But when we come under the influence of God, see his love for us, and come to understand that everything that is in God is now in us, and we make connection with that, all of a sudden we are given, we start experiencing the spiritual mind. And this is the spiritual mind. The heart begins to be the motivator of our activities in a proper fashion. And what is that fashion? The love of God. The love of God begins to be the motivator of our actions. Now, in that love, there is a transformative power. The heart is affected by that. And at that point, we become possessors of what's known as the spirit of truth. You know, it, it, there's an uh, interesting scripture that says, uh, uh, oh, my, the, thought, the thought eluded me. I was going to it, and it kind of eluded me. Blow that off. <laughs> I'm sorry. But uh, anyway, but let me tell you what happens in the end in, in all of this. Because we are the children of God, because we've been born from above, and that spirit now dwells in us, we, we have been affected by that. We begin not doing things, but we begin what? Being. Just like God, tell them, I am has sent you. That's what he told Moses. Tell them, I am sent you. I am because he is. He just, he is who he is. And because he is who he is, He's functioning properly. And when we become one with the Lord, what happens? We don't do or act. We just begin to be who we are. Now, if you want to, if you want to live a life that you that, that is fruitful and good, start being who you are. Because who you are is good. Because everything that is in God has come to us through his son. That's what makes us truly good. You remember Jesus said, somebody, one of the uh, religious leaders came to him and said, Lord, uh, what must I do to, you know, uh, he said, good, good master, what must I do? You know, and he says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Kind of interesting. And then he went on to answer the guy's question. You know why he went on to answer the guy's question? Because he was good. He was God manifest in the flesh. So he could rightfully answer the question because he was God and only God is good. So when we believe on the Lord, everything that is in him, we become a possessor. Now he had already made all that available to us through the cross, but it's upon believing that that goodness, that heart, comes to us through the influence of his love. That makes sense to you? Mm -hmm. Anybody got any thoughts about all that?
So on your first line underneath the spiritual mind? Yes. Where the spiritual mind sees God as an influencer? Yes. And then says THS, what is that supposed to mean? This becomes this, an influencer this becomes or we become an influencer in our hearts. In other so, words, we see God as not as a uh, controller controlling things, but we see his heart and disposition toward us. And that that's that begins to see God as someone who is influencing who I am right. and what comes out of me. Right. And because that's that's what he is. Right. I you know I believe I believe even the act of creation, he did through influence. Let me tell you why that is. Before, I want you to, before he created the oceans and all the, the, the beings that were created, all the intricate from the crustaceans crawling around the bottom of the ocean to the blue whale, okay? All of this stuff was in his heart. It had to be in his heart because he wasn't going to say, well, let me create this little crustacean that's going to swim on the bottom of the ocean, then I'm going to create the blue whale. No, it was all in his infinite mind that he wanted to bless the earth with the ocean and the vast animal life that, that swims in the ocean. And it was in him. And when he said, let the seas team with living beings. All, everything that was in his heart came into being. Mm. He didn't say, let me do these things. It was in his heart and he, and it came into being when he said, let it be. You see where I'm coming from? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a different perspective on looking at, at how God causes things to take place in the world and to take place inside of us. He thought it was so important. He said, above all things, guard your heart. Yeah, that's right. And you know what you guard in your heart? You, you are you are guarding your heart from the carnal thinking. Well, by the way, once you come to know the Lord, you can still think like this. No. <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can still think like this, but that's not who you are. That is who you are. Amen. The, the Apostle Paul said an interesting thing. So would, that, you, uh, would you would you consider the way you're using influence and influencer to be synonymous with being persuaded? Yes. Because absolutely. we use that we've used that yeah, terminology a absolutely. lot to sure. be that God's persuading my God heart. God's purpose is to be who he is and to reveal to us his love through the cross. That, we, that he might influence or persuade our hearts unto believing. And when we believe, we become a possessor of all of that. Not because he necessarily uh, makes us do righteous things or makes us good or gives us joy, but because that which is in him is now in us because we have been persuaded that we have become one with the Lord. John chapter 17, I came that they may be one with us, even as I am with you, right. Lord, that's where wholeness in life comes. It cannot come from manipulating the people, places, and things in your life. It can never, and it will never. It's the spirit of love that's contained in God that causes you to become whole. That's where, that's where it comes from. Now, you know, so 
The only thing I never addressed here is this group of people here. <laughs> now, I want to tell you, what religion has is doing is, okay, you know the Lord now, you know, you have the mind of Christ, and there, there, there's truth found out there in, in different churches, religions, or whatever, some truth, but it's usually tainted with uh, a lot of self-effort. But what it has you doing is, okay, now you have to tell all these people down here about me and how he, God, wants you to live their life, okay, over here. You, you're supposed to be telling the people how to live their life according to the knowledge of good and evil that they might become righteous. Is that right? No. Good luck Watch with this. that. This is, this is kind of a strange thing. It may seem a little foreign to somebody, but this is the way it actually is. So God influences our heart unto him, and we become one with him. Then we, because we know that God is an influencer, someone who causes things to happen because of who he is, we become an influencer. So believe it or not, instead of us telling people about Jesus, the ideal, perfect human life is this, that we, that these folks here are looking at us and they're seeing something inside that person, not what they're doing. I mean, in their estimation, they may say, well, look what these people are doing, you know? But as far as we're concerned, we're doing nothing. You're, you know, the, the parable is a Lord, not parable. Many will stand before me in that day saying, I did these great things. And the Lord will say, away from me, I never knew you. And there's others who come and say, when did we do anything? And he said, listen, when you did it for the least of these, my brothers, you done it unto me. But the people didn't even know they were doing anything. They didn't even realize it was happening. It happened naturally, organically, I guess you might say. But what happens is, as we come to realize that it's all been given to us as a gift of God because of his love for us, all of a sudden we begin to be an influencer just like God influenced us. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that make sense? Mm -hmm. And you can rest in not having to do any work because he has influenced you. You can just live your life being an influencer, not purposely influencing people. And then you start crossing over into this. But you live your life knowing who you are and why you are like that. And then one day, one of these guys are going to say, man, why don't you tell me about this hope that I see inside of you? Why don't you explain to me what's, what it is in you? And then you can share truth with people, how God influenced you unto this life. Not that if you turn from your sins and quit sinning, uh, God might accept you into the kingdom one day. Listen, we have eternal life. Now, I want to do something from this point on. Now, listen to this. Say you were 
getting ready to propose. You, you're a young person. You're getting ready to propose to your, your wife, okay, or your future wife. And you say, you know what? I want to take her somewhere where the tables are set like in red tablecloths with candles and the lights down. And I'm going to set this mood so that the mood itself, what, what we're existing in, communicates to her that I love her. And then before I tell her I love her and I want you to be my wife, I want you to be one with me. Before I do that, I want that table to be set or that that uh, ambiance to be just right so that she can. What we just did is we set that ambiance because your understanding of the scriptures is dictated by whether you see God as a God of love that influenced you onto belief or whether you see God as a controller who demands love from you. That is going to dictate how you interpret and understand even the scriptures themselves. Now, if you all got your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to uh, Colossians, the book of Colossians. Now, I know nobody has a Bible today. We got our cell phones that has like 15 Bibles on. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. I want you to consider God as an influencer. And what that means to you as we read through these scriptures. And I want you to see how it is this subtle thing that happens that enables you to understand God and the heart of God toward you in these scriptures. But before we start, does anybody have any questions or thoughts about what we've been talking about? Linda? Yes. When Jesus said, no one's good except the Father. Yes. I believe he was just like us. And mm -hmm. that he said, I don't do anything that I don't see the Father doing. Mm -hmm. And so his goodness came just like our goodness comes through himself. And I think he really wanted everybody to know that. Mm -hmm. That that's, I mean, I don't know if there's a difference in what you said. Mm -hmm. Because you said, because he was God. There's probably, there's probably a soul sense. I but think there just feels like a little difference. There is a little subtle difference, and we and we can actually talk about that some more mm -hmm. and discuss it some more. But uh, prior to this is why we really can't get into it. There is a, this huge thing that you start getting into. the The general premise of what I'm communicating here is is right. It's good. It's true. Okay. I want you to like. Okay, we'll we'll digress a little bit. We'll look at this just just a moment. It's okay. It's good you asked that question. Um, people, human beings, even people who do not know the Lord, are capable of doing good things. You know what I'll say? Capable of doing prior to the giving of that spirit. They're actually capable of believing. 
How do you think I know that? You know how I know that? Because Elijah was up on a hill and Jezebel was chasing him. They wanted to kill him. Okay. And he was hiding and God came to him and he said, Lord, I'm the only one left. Now, I want to tell you something. He believed that he was the only one left, that everyone else had turned away from the Lord. And you know what the Lord said to him? Listen, I have 5,000, I, I think that's right, the, 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 the number, 5,000 men in Israel who have not bowed their knee to Baal. Now, I, I'm going to just share with you what I firmly believe about that. I believe that we're going to see Elijah in heaven with us. He believed in God before the giving of the Spirit. You hear what I'm telling you? Before the Holy Spirit was given, he believed in God. And you're, we're going to see him. So clearly, even prior to the giving of the Spirit, we're capable of believing. There were 5,000 other people in Israel who we will see in the kingdom of God because they believed in the Lord, even before the giving of the Spirit. Now, at some point, that spirit came to them and gave them life, which caused them to appear before God. The scripture, that's when you really get into a lot of, I can share that with you later. But they had to possess his life in order to appear before God. Because when, when, when God says only God is good, it's because only God is good. <laughs> I'm just going to say, only God is good. However, when we are influenced on his love for us and believe on him, everything that is Him in him is in us now. And we are good, just as God is good. But there is something in the heart of man that even before the cross, he could believe on the Lord. So, I don't want to get into all the details of that, but we'll just let that stand. But it's the best answer I can give you in a short form, you know, right now. Now, let's take a look at something. Colossians chapter 1. And we're just going to kind of read through the scriptures a little bit and uh, consider what they're saying. Paul writes this. And by the way, I'm going to go to about 1130. And we're going to read these scriptures and kind of consider what they say in, in the light of this influence that we've been provided. So Paul, uh, it says, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are in Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to what is going on here. We have set a precedent. We set that table, and the Lord's speaking to us. And this is what he tells us. He tells us this, that we are the saints of God, sanctified, set apart, made holy forever by Christ. And that we believers in Christ, which are in class, 
Colossi and whoever's reading this letter, which it makes it apply to us. He says this, he says, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father. So listen to this. Everything that follows in the book of Colossians is meant to provide to us grace and peace. You see what I'm saying? So he's setting this this disposition for us, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which ye have to all the saints and for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. So Paul is telling us, he says, that we thank God for you always, since we heard of your faith in Christ. So it's, 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 it's a, a very curious thing here, okay? What's it mean that Paul heard of their faith in the Lord? Where did that come from? He heard of their faith in the Lord. Where did that come from? There are other places where Paul says that all over the world, people were saying they got something inside of them. These people got something inside of them. And he called it the faith. But you know a curious thing? The word Christian only exists in the Bible in two locations, in the King James Version, to my knowledge, two places. And in both of them, well, one of them is, uh, I think in Peter, it says, if you are persecuted as a Christian, you're blessed. In another place, it says, they were called Christians first at Antioch, okay? Other than that, you don't really hear the term Christians in the Bible. You know what they called them? Saints. Anybody Saints. know what they called them? Saints. Saints. Well, Paul called them that, but they, but the people called them something else. You know what they called them? Members of the way. Well, you got it. Those of the way. Now, isn't that an interesting thing? Now, here's the whole world in their way, right? And then here is Christ in his way, right? And who, how did they refer to him? Those of the way, that way. And listen, when you are in that way, even your enemies are at peace with you. Usually. Now Christ might say, <laughs> he might argue with that point, <laughs> that it's, that, that, let me just say this. When the, when the, when the proverb, writer of the proverb said, when a man's way is pleasing to the Lord, even his enemies are at peace with him. That is a tendency to be reality. That is a tendency to be true. Now, verse 6 says, Which is come unto you, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doeth also in you, since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God in all of its truth. So you see what's happening here? 
there was something being produced in these guys. And what did he call it? Fruit. And he says, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You see? Something being produced in them toward God. In them toward God. Mm-hmm. Not in them toward others, although there is a, a general principle that those who love God love their, their brother. Their, you know, But the reality is the influence came from God. And it was in them and was influencing them, their hearts unto faith. So, verse 7. As you have learned from Ephesus, our, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who has also declared unto you, unto us, your love in the Spirit. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And this is his will for you, that we be, we die to this carnal way of thinking and come alive to the truth of God, to through the influence of God. You see what I'm saying? That we die to the carnal mind, the carnal way of thinking, and come alive to the way which comes to us through the influence of God. Man, you begin thinking like that, you will begin to see, as Paul says it here, for this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you, and desire that you may be filled with knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. By the way, the will of God is not like what you're going to do. That's not what the will of God is. The will of God is that you be filled with the mind of Christ. You get filled with the mind of Christ. You don't have to worry about the things you do or where you go. You will be the way you were meant to be. No matter where you are, you can be a plumber, you can be a scientist, you could be a politician, you could be anything. And you will be filled with his will when you know that he is your life. He is your life. Now, we get close. So, then he goes on to say this. He says that ye may walk, this is interesting, that ye may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, anybody have any thought about that? That you may walk worthy? Now, if somebody says, that you might walk worthy. What is what is that? What does that ring out to you? That I'm doing the Performing. things that God would want me to do. I'm walking worthily, right? right? It's suitable. That's not what he's saying. <laughs> if you look, if you look at what uh, the, that word worthy means, it is as becometh of the godly. 
In other words, that you might be, that your life might project that which is in you. So you see, it's not working worthy, walking worthy because of what you're doing, but because of that which exists within you. Strengthen with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet. What does that mean? Made, made us meet. Y'all have any idea what that means? Qualified. That's, exa that's exactly right, Jay. In other words, in, in fact, he has made you not just qualified, but he, in other words, however you were meant to be, he made it that way for you. He has made us meet, made us as we should be. There is said to equip one with adequate power to perform duties of one. There you go. To equip with adequate power. So, giving thanks to the God our Father, which hath made us meet, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saint in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So, in effect, in effect what Jesus did for us is he has taken us out of the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his son. That's how he made us meet. Took us out of the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his son. Now, when you look at these words in, the, in, these, in these scriptures here, clearly God did something in Christ to divorce us from the carnal mind and translate us into the kingdom of his son. Now, that should cause within us an influence that will make us be the children of God that we are. Yes. Anybody have any thoughts, questions? Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah, go ahead, please. So I was interested the way he, in verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Yeah. So that term in light um, is curious, yeah. right? So it, it, you got to wonder what what Paul was meaning when he wrote it in that that terminology. Well, and well, light, just, just think about this. I'm just, you know, Dana, he translated this and... It, he has translated us from the kingdom of darkness right. into the kingdom of his son. Right. Which, which is light. Which is light. Right. Now, you want to hear a curious thing? I was talking to Matt about this before, before church. But uh, so when I, when I wanted to draw, you know, what happened at the cross? And when I say the cross, I'm talking about his death, burial, resurrection, right. ascension of you. What exactly happened there? 
So I drew the cross and I drew the tomb that he was buried in. And I came up here and I drew the sun. Why did I draw the sun? Light. Out of darkness into the light. Malachi 4.2. Listen to this. But to those who are wise, to those who are wise, the uh, sun of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. You want to hear kind of a funny thing? The King James writes this. When it says the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, it's spelled S-U-N. <laughs> Why? And I, it has to do with what we're talking about, that that light, that illumination that comes to us. from It's a play on words. Yeah. Well, listen, when he says the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, he's speaking of a person. But when he wrote the person, he spelled it S-U-N. That, that's kind of a neat thing. I think it is. Anyway. Mm -hmm. So there are so many languages and none of them are without significance. Yes. You know, in Spanish, sin means without. You want something without, you say sin something. Mm. And we know sin means to be without. Right. Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. Anybody else have any thoughts or questions? Well, we, we got time, so if you, you all have anything. The scripture where it says um, God would be pleased with us, our carnal mind would think from the performance. What he's saying is, I'm pleased that you know who you are, Amen. that you have my son, and I am your life. Absolutely. The whole idea of the cross and the love of God is to communicate to us that through our efforts, we can never attain righteousness, relationship with God, none of those things. You know, when we're talking about only God is good, you know, God views us as good, okay? God views us as good because he, we are his creation. He loved us. Listen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who should ever believe in him should have eternal life. Whoever, who should ever believe in him would have eternal life. He did that because he loved us. And he saw value and worth in that creation. He saw us, according to his heart, as good. Mm -hmm. However, when he came to that which was his own, his own did not really receive him. And when I say that which is his own, we, we think of that as the Jews did not receive him. But I want you to understand the Gentiles rejected him. The Jews rejected him. And his disciples, one of them, one of his main disciples, cursed and swore, I don't know the man. Is that good? There is nothing but perfect purity in God. There is nothing like cursing and swearing, I never knew the man. So who we are as a person, under the control of this belief system, is not good, but God views us as good and worthy. And he gave himself to us to influence us that we might know 
his thoughts in disposition toward us, that he does view us as good. But as far as that, that is why God would say only God is good. That's why he would say that. Well, you know, I think the interesting thing is the word do and influence the nuanced and can be confused. Absolutely. And what religion says to do, God says be influenced. Yeah. But, you know, it's like if you fly from Los Angeles to New York and you're off like one or two degrees, you're going to end up in Florida. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference in not knowing the nuance between do and influence. No doubt. Because, you know, I think, you know, something simple as an altar call. Sure. They say, do, come up here and receive Jesus, rather than saying, if you've been influenced by Jesus, come on up. Right. But, I mean, that that little nuance there <laughs> will send you to the, you know, to the tree of good and evil for the rest of your life. That's right. Absolutely. No doubt about it. It's not what you do. Believing in the Lord unto salvation is not something you do to get saved. It's something that comes to you. You, okay, so here's a young person in church. Say, you know, you got to believe in Jesus because if you don't, you're going to go to hell or whatever, okay? So that person hears that and say, you know, I don't want to go to hell. And the guy's saying, if you walk down the aisle and you say this prayer, you you're saying, I believe in Jesus, and you're not going to go to hell. So this person, purely thinking that if I walk down this aisle and say this prayer, and I have some kind of even intellectual idea of who Jesus is and that I believe in him, so he does these things unto salvation. And for him, it's this act this act that he's doing unto salvation. But that's not what salvation is. It's not, I'm going to tell you, it's not right to get people to do things in order to be saved. It's like a hostage situation. (laughs) Saying, you know, I'm going to hold hell hostage, hold your hell in hostage unless you walk down this aisle. Yes. So it's really a coercion. Uh, I mean, it's subtle term, rather than being influenced. And what you're talking about, that subtlety there, okay? I want to tell you something. Uh, Billy Graham had these, and and got people to come down and all that, and and I say that that's not a good thing to do it that way. But I'm going to tell you something. Gospel was preached at Billy Graham Crusades, and a lot of people came to know the Lord through Billy Graham. I'm not against Billy Graham. I'm not against the things he did. Whatever he did, he did. And a lot of people were saved because they heard the gospel from Billy Graham. A lot of people. But is it that there is a good way? Sometimes. And sometimes there's a better way. And I'm going to tell you, if the right way had come to the hearts of the people who were saved there, and they continued in that right way, instead of 50,000 people being saved, at the Billy Graham Crusades, 500,000 people might have been. Why was that? Why would that be? Because instead of people going out there trying to get some some people to do things that they might be saved, they would have become influencers and have set the world on fire for God. 
because they understand who God really is and what he really desires for them. They would have become influencers and many poor. So you can't say, well, you know, maybe things weren't right. Some of the things that Billy Graham said are the way he did it. Uh, so that's an evil thing. Well, no, it's not an evil thing. It's just the way he did it. But there's a, there might be a good thing, but sometimes there's a better way. And I would rather have one person, I'd rather have one person really understanding the heart of God toward them and how he truly views them and that being influenced in that person's life and that person blossom and, and grow into and have many children, have many spiritual children because of what is in their heart and not because of something they did to get saved. I would have, I'd rather have that. Yes. Maurice, on a, on a good day, the person on the street who might go to church every week would tell you that God's love. Mm -hmm. On his worst day, he might say, God is angry and he's judging me. Yes. If that's what a person believes, he won't get over here to the right. Right. He won't stay over here. I would say most people that I've met claim to know God live over that left side. You betcha. No, there's no question about it. Yeah, it's like living because you bought fire insurance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just bought some insurance that you won't be burned up for eternity. Right. But if you if you if you if you believe in that transaction, you're in survival mode, not flourishing mode. Right. He yes. said, I'm, I'm just going to survive damnation of attorney, which makes you embittered that you had to pay that premium. Well, I, I, I'm just, I'm just yeah, saying, right. At, 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 the, at the very least. Or it costs you something. It costs you something tangible. You had right. to do something. You had to give something. You had to do something to get that fire insurance. So it's, it's a bilateral transaction as opposed to a gift right. that you had to receive. That's why it's that's why it's critical that you know remember I said you know when we get into this if you learn one thing and it, it, it is what is the human heart and how is that human heart influenced and motivated either it's going to be motivated for your knowledge of good and evil manipulating people places and things to create this world that you think is going to be good for you or it's going to be the spirit of love that's found in Christ Jesus that comes to you as an influence from him that causes you to be mm -hmm. a different person. And so just to, you know, clarify that, that beginning thought, it's, mm -hmm. it's so critical to, to understand that. So if you're acting, you can never really be at rest. You're right about that. Mm -hmm. and I have the word acting there because People who are of a carnal mindset aren't really being themselves. They're, they're always manipulate. They're manipulators of circumstances. That's what they are. They're not really who they are. It's only when you die to that belief system and come to realize that it's done, it's finished. I tell you what, the gospel is ridiculously simple, but religion can't make it simple because if they make it too simple, they may not come to church or whatever. You know, you got to have something they, they have to do in order to get them back. If they have to do something, they'll come back. Now, people come to this church, they've been coming here for 10 years. Nobody went away. But you're hearing the truth here. And the truth is that 
that God is not trying to get you to, he's not trying to control you. He's trying to influence you by his love for you and everything that he's done for you. And listen, all of Paul's writings, it's all about what Jesus has done for us. That's what it's all about. Yeah. I, I want to pick up on what Doug was saying about the premium for the fire insurance on yes. the left. Uh-huh. Um, I've talked to a number of believers who said the cost of becoming a believer was too high for them, that they enjoyed their life much more as an unbeliever than they do as a believer because of all of the do's well, and Well, at least they're being honest. Right? But if you uh-huh. and and if you live in the carnal mind, I yeah. can understand that. That's yeah. that's a right. that's a really a reality in your life. Listen. But if you live in the spiritual side in your spiritual mind, I don't know anybody who said, "Yeah, this this was too much for me." These guys are working. You bet they are working. And it ain't fun, and it's not exactly fun. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. You're paying that price, like you're saying. Yeah. But but listen, <clears throat> that's not where we are. We're not here. We, we die to this way, and we come alive to the influence of God that has been done. Like I say, the gospel is very simple. Everything that God is has come to you through the cross, and that's who you You know, it's, it's a curious thing. The Apostle Paul said this. He says, uh, you know, I, if I do the things that I don't want to do, I realize I want to do other things, but I find myself not being able to do it. It's no longer... I who do those things, but it is sin living in me. It's it's him trying to defeat sin by his own effort. And as he found himself doing that, he find, found himself incapable of doing that. Mm-hmm. But he says, that is not, no longer who I am. That is not me who do it. It's sin living in me. He knew. Paul knew who he was. And then he goes on to say, he says, for the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin. I think we actually, for most of us, will will encounter more people who are living in the carnal side of this equation than the unsaved, right? No doubt and, about it. And, for no me, doubt. there's great freedom and great joy in living as an influencer instead of a worker. Absolutely. To know that the life of God in me is what is going to influence those with a carnal mind or those with completely no spiritual activity in their lives at all. But that it's it's just a joyful thing to know that you're an influencer and not have to work to do anything. You know what I think? I think when you when you said joy, that is where the joy comes from. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, the people that are working and trying to manipulate their way through life, they ain't joyful. They are not joyful. They're worn out. They're, They're beat <laughs> down. They're grumpy. Well, uh, well, I always put my airplane analogy. You know, it's like you guys sit next to somebody in four hours from New Orleans, California, and somebody looks at you and says, have you been saved by Jesus Christ? And you go, oh, my gosh. It's, you know, it's going to be a long four hours. <laughs> Whereas if you talk to that guy for four hours, and you're genuine, and you feel the Spirit of God, you're going to be asking him questions. Yes. How are you that way? Right. And you don't have to work at it. That person who is just being himself is just being, well, being 
one with God is being one with God, and that radiates, which piques interest, rather than saying, oh my gosh, this is going to be the longest four hours of my entire life because <laughs> I'm going to hear why I want to help. That's right. Listen to this. There's two <laughs> things that I never did my whole life. You want to know what I never did? Number one, I never memorized a verse of scripture. You know, they say, you, you got to memorize the scripture yeah, so you right. can quote it. I'm going to tell you, for as long as I've known the Lord, I've never memorized any scripture. But I know a lot of scripture because I'm very familiar with it. And I can quote the scripture. But I, I, I never purposely memorize the scripture. And I'm going to tell you another thing. I love to engage people. I love to relate to people. I mean, I think that that is an influence that came to me from God. Sure. So I, I, I naturally like to engage people. Right. But when I engage them, I never tell people, are you saved? Or, uh, you know, try to make something happen in that interaction. I never try to make something happen. I love people just like God loved us. And I like to engage people. And we get in this conversation. And because this stuff isn't here, right? Mm -hmm. It just kind of like happens. You end up sharing things that are just like a blessing to, to the people that are hearing. Right. And it becomes a natural thing. And you know what natural things do? They influence people. Yeah. They be you become an influencer. Yes. One thing I wanted to say is I see the column on the left as people who feel that who they are is not good. Mm -hmm. And when you feel who you are is not good, then you think that God isn't happy with you. Sure. And when you think God isn't happy with you, you try to enlist your own ability to do all the things that might make God happy with you. Yep. And then eventually God will love you. Right. And the right side for me is these are people who understand that who they are is good. Yeah. Because for me, as soon as I realized who I am was good, right. then I realized that God did love me right. and that I didn't have to do anything to earn the love. Yes. Again, because these things exist in God and those things were communicated to us through the cross and the cross communicates to you that you are good in his eyes, yes. just like the woman caught in adultery. Yes. Instead of his going along with the accusers of her, he looked at her and said, mm -hmm. I do, neither do I condemn you. Okay? So his view and opinion of the woman was expressed to, him, to her verbally, but his true view and opinion of her came to us through the cross right. and what is dying for her sins. I couldn't receive God's love for me until I knew that who I was was good because I was continually on that other left side right. working and working and working to try to receive or to become who I thought I wasn't. Right. And the cross is what yes. communicates to us yes. that who we are is good. Yes. I think when you go back to uh, Colossians 1.10 where you mm -hmm. read that, yes. that you might walk worthy, that's the worthy. That he made us. That's right. That's an, that yes. is absolutely another mm -hmm. another way to look at it. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. You walk worthy when you know you're worthy. Mm -hmm. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, looking, looking from the other side, you never feel worthy. 
No, you never feel. It ex- I love that you put the word acting and talked about that too mm-hmm. because I have said that, you know, years ago, I feel like I'm just acting. I feel mm-hmm. like an actress. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, let, yeah. And I couldn't explain it. Listen, the, 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 the folks that do not know the Lord, they're not connected to the head, mm-hmm. okay? They may not feel as they though they are acting, but I'm going to tell you, a believer does. You know why? Because you have the mind of Christ, and the mind of Christ don't operate like that. Right. So what you find yourself doing when you know the Lord and you're acting out of the carnal mind is it seems an act to you. And you're going to find that a lot of people in evangelical Christianity who are works-oriented, and in in believing that they need to do things to uh, be pleasing to the Lord, those folks feel like something is amiss with this. They're, it's like I'm putting on this act and it's not real. Right. You know that's why this yeah. is this is important. Very important. Okay. Let's pray and we'll close up. Mm. Father, we uh, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your grace toward us, the fact that you uh, are desirous to. Reveal to us your understanding, your wisdom, that we might understand ourselves and you and and the influence that you can have in our lives, whereby we might just live our lives as you would live our lives, not as imitators of God, only in the sense that as you live, thus we live. You influence us and cause us to be able to be who we really are. And we thank you for that precious gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.